Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. J.J. Jerez here, Arif Dean, following the 3-1 to loss to the Seattle Kraken in Game 1 of the playoffs here in Ball Arena post-game, watching the crew clean up the pom-poms. Hopefully Leaf Blower guy doesn't show his ugly little face, <laughs> um, for those of you who remember last year. But Arif, rough night for the avalanche, just frustrating it seemed from the player's standpoint. Couldn't really get anything going. I guess what, what went wrong for Colorado tonight? And uh, what do they got to fix for game two to, to make sure to turn this into a real series here? The the big word for me for tonight's game is frustrations. It seemed like the Avalanche couldn't generate much in the beginning. Then that Devon Taves turnover happened, and it led directly to the Ellie Tolvin in goal. And then the frustration started to mount. Even after the Miko Ranton in goal from the Nathan McKinnon setup, even after that play, the Avalanche just weren't generating you know the same type of chances especially coming out of the first intermission that you would expect from them. And, you know, after a tough goal on the first goal on the second one, Georgiev did mention, and it was why it was a weird goal, that his skate had gotten caught in the ice when he was trying to get over for that Mm -hmm. shot. And that was the second goal. And then from there, it was kind of all downhill. It just seemed like they were frustrated when they were trying to generate opportunities. Seattle did an excellent job of shutting them down. And just nothing was working. The execution wasn't there. That was the word that both Jared Bednar and Nathan McKinnon used. And it seemed like the type of game that you can literally chalk it up to, and and there's more to it. You have to practice. You have to come out stronger. You can't just ignore this game and pretend that things are going to change unless you change something. But you can also generally chalk this up to it just wasn't our night. Yeah, I'd like to think so, right? But you look at the last three games they played in regular season against Seattle, and then you look at tonight, and in all four of those games, the Avalanche failed to score two goals or more. Right, they have, they only scored one tonight, and we saw that over and over. So I'm starting to believe there's a trend here. I'm starting to believe that Seattle knows how to play the Avalanche. I mean, we talked about it with Peter Ball on Sunday about just how stubborn of a team they are, and and you saw it. The Avalanche tried to get pucks deep. Seattle was the one coming out with them. Seattle was the one starting their breakout. So every time the Avalanche would chip it in, they really had a hard time winning those battles, and those are the battles you need to win, especially in the playoffs, to to generate your offense. That's what the Avalanche have have depended on all year long is is that forecheck and those battles in the corner and um seattle wasn't giving them anything they weren't giving any, them anything on the blue line either the abs would move the puck up and there was a guy right on top of them where whether it was kale mccarr nathan mckinnon their defending was exceptional for the avalanche's offense today because we we knew the avalanche weapons that they have and seattle didn't let them really do too much tonight the way that i see it the the three games in the regular season It's a very valid stat, but it's also hard to really let that kind of, uh, you know, carry on into the playoffs because in the first game that these two guys played, it was the third game of the season. It was back in October where, you know, there's no feel to the team yet, especially the Avalanche. They have been kind of traditionally a slow starting team under Jared Bednar the last couple seasons. And then the other two matchups they had were the second leg of a back-to-back both times. So the Avalanche really didn't have their feet. They didn't have it going. They obviously won the one in Seattle, 2-1 to one in the shootout, and then lost the one here in Denver in overtime, in a three-on-three overtime where they lost the faceoff and didn't touch the puck. Uh, so it's, it's hard to really take the season series and the fact that they weren't able to score goals into consideration. But what can you can take into consideration is Seattle picked up some things along the way in those three games on how to defend the Avalanche. And what you saw today was a masterclass in the Kraken doing everything they can and giving their best effort and putting their best foot forward, as you like to say, to shut down the Avalanche. So if there's something to hold on to for the Avs coming out of this game, 
And look, the road team won six of the first eight games in the playoffs. Boston won at home. Carolina won at home. Ever since those two games ended, the road team and the the underdog, as as I say, has won every single game. But if there's something that you can pick up from this, if you're the Avalanche, it's that was about as good a game as Seattle can play. That was nowhere close to as good a game as the Avalanche can play. So if the Avalanche could ramp up their effort, which we've seen them bounce back several times here in the final 41 games of the regular season, if they can find a way to ramp up their effort and the Seattle Kraken even play as good as they did today, it would not be enough to stop the Avs. Yeah, it's just a matter of the Avalanche, I guess, turn, turning it up a notch, right? Turning it up to 11, turning it up to playoff-level hockey. And I don't think that's what we saw from the defensive group tonight, right? I mean, a lot of the Manson errors. You saw the Devon Taves turnover. Yeah, a tough night for Josh Manson. It felt like the defensive group, aside from Bowen Byram, who I thought was phenomenal, and Kale McCarr early, it seemed like there was more to be desired there from, from the defensive guys tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Kale McCarr was incredible. Bowen Byram, you saw him kind of ramp it up into playoff level. Devontae's is such an interesting cat. Like, this is a guy that is in, in his entire first season was he, with the Avalanche was exceptional from game one to the very last game of the playoffs when they lost to the Vegas Golden Knights. Last year, regular season, exceptional the entire way. Playoffs, exceptional the entire way. But during the playoffs, he would make these boneheaded mistakes. And we talked about them many times sitting here in this radio booth after the games last season. He would make these weird boneheaded mistakes in the playoffs that were unlike him. They were very unlike him in the sense where usually he was a safe player, but there were these mistakes that were way out of his realm of what he does. And we saw that again tonight on that first goal. So I'm not sure what it is about the playoff hockey where Devon Taves is both the incredible player he is and can have those kinds of plays. And, and we saw it today and it led to the first goal and it just seemed like the Avalanche couldn't get much going after that. Yeah, and just like the Kraken were able to frustrate the Avalanche on the Kraken's defensive side of the puck, they were also able to make some noise on the offensive side, right? Credit to some of the goals that they were able to score. Yes, there were turnovers, but the pressure was there. The aggressive forecheck from Seattle was there, and their young guys came to play. I mean, it was kind of, I guess, you know, from a league standpoint who wants to see this, fran this Seattle franchise succeed, it was good to see the, the guys show up for them that showed up. It's it's funny how they make it work. I mean, Morgan Geeky scored a goal. Alex Wenberg scored a goal, and Ellie Tolvanen scored a goal. Wenberg is kind of a little bit more of a veteran that's been around a little bit, but Tolvanen and Geeky, these are two young guys that don't have a lot of experience, especially Tolvanen as a waiver wire pickup. Just big goals for a couple of night, uh, a couple of young guys there, and then obviously Alexiak's a veteran, Schwartz is a veteran, and and Schultz is a veteran. Those are guys that had the assist for them. Um, it's, it's really interesting and fascinating how Seattle has bounced back this year and how they found a way to kind of uh, be as good as they were after being a 60-something point team last year. One of my buddies who's a Red Wings fan joked and texted me halfway through the game saying, how do these expansion teams get, get, keep getting so good? Can the Red Wings take a year off and come back as an expansion team and will that make them a good team? Because that's ultimately what you're seeing. So it's hard to be surprised at this point after what Vegas did in their first year and what they've been since they became an expansion team in 2017-18 and the Kraken, what they've done all season this year. There is nothing about this series that says the Avalanche are playing a measly expansion team. They are playing a very well-rounded, good hockey team where the Avalanche are, on paper and in the standings, a better team than the Kraken. They just need to show it. I guess I'm looking at the stat sheet here, and I, I see one player from the Seattle Kraken that did not register 
a shot on goal. I see one, two, three, four, five, six from the Avalanche that didn't record a shot on goal, and a lot of those names are in the depth. I'll read that's, them off to you. That's crazy. Alec, <laughs> that's a good stat. Alex Newhook, no shots on goal. Logan O'Connor, no shots on goal. Josh Manson, Sam Gerrard, no shots on goal. Ben Myers, no shots on goal. Matt Nieto, no shots on goal. So, obviously, uh, a little bit more uh, you'd like to see in contributions from the depth of the, of the forward lineup, too. Yeah, I think they it's it's this is such a silly sentence to say with all the star power they have, but there are no passengers in the playoff. You have to have six incredible defensemen and 12 incredible forwards to win a Stanley Cup. And then the guy between the pipes, they badly missed Andrew Cogliano and Darren Helm. If you remember last year against Nashville in that first game, Andrew Cogliano kind of had like a holy shit, this guy's good moment. And then I think he got injured in that series and missed a couple games against Nashville, too, where we were like, wow, like we can't wait to have him back in the in the second round. So he was badly missed. It seemed like Ben Myers just looked completely out of place. Obviously, he only got six shifts, four minutes and 49 seconds. Matt Nieto wasn't really a factor much. Uh, he wasn't really generating. And, you know, those are two guys that didn't have a shot on goal. So if and it's a big if because injuries have been an if the entire year with this team. If Cogliano and Helm could step into the lineup in game two and give you a bottom six that has Cogliano, Helm, and O'Connor, and Eller, and Newhook, and Malgin, well, you can now fiddle with the lines any way you want. You can give Cogliano and Helm, uh, sorry, Cogliano and O'Connor to Eller. You can give Cogliano and O'Connor back to Helm, like last year. Malgin and uh, uh, Newhook can shift to wherever you kind of see fit. Uh, you can play Newhook at center, you can play Cagliano at center, or you can keep it Eller and, and Helm. So I think just adding those two guys and taking out, let's say, Nieto and Myers will really bolster the Avalanche's bottom six and give them an opportunity to kind of compete with this team that you're seeing on the Seattle Kraken side. That's an incredible stat. They only had 30 shots, but 17 of 18 skaters had at least one. That's pretty crazy. A lot of guys had one shot, and then Ryan Donato had three, Ellie Tolvanen had four, uh, Wenberg had three, and Dunn and Gord had three. Everybody else was two, and then one up and down the lineup. That's a pretty crazy number. I'm I'm really like surprised to see that. Indeed, indeed. There you go, putting the if in Arif again. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Arturi Lekkinen, right? You you talked about the energy that Cagliano brings. Arturi Lekkinen freaking brought it tonight. If if the rest of the team can match what. Uh, the level of play that we saw from Lekkonen, I mean, everybody's going to be okay, but hard on the forecheck, hard on the body, throwing throwing some big hits around. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching Arturi Lekkonen tonight. He he was one of the shining, I guess, pieces in a otherwise disappointing night. Yeah, he was, he was great to see him kind of throwing his body around, and he's just such a relentless, no-quit type of player, and, and this is why the Avalanche acquired him. This is why they gave him a four-year contract, and this is why he scored four game-winning goals last year and, and, and the two biggest ones, the series clinchers in the third and fourth round. Um, well, two of the three biggest ones if you include the Kadri one. But the thing with Lekkonen is that line with him and Conferin Nechushkin couldn't generate much today, and they were on the ice for two even-strength goals. So they all finished a minus two. And judging by the comments that Jared Bednar uh, had post game about potentially sp splitting up Rantanen and McKinnon. I mm -hmm. could see that being a possibility. And given the way that Lekkonen played, hey, maybe you throw Lekkonen up there with McKinnon and Rodriguez and let Rantanen and Nichushkin play with Comfer. You know, Comfer and Rantanen gained a lot of chemistry this season. When McKinnon was out, 
Comfort was the one centering and setting up Rantanen. So uh, I think Lekkinen has earned an opportunity to kind of jump up and play with McKinnon a little bit, spread the wealth on those two lines, and really let him shine with Nathan a little bit. Yeah, because even when you know the game was on the line and the Avs had to shorten the bench a little bit and start riding those two lines, it didn't feel like that second line of Nichushkin, Comfort, and Lekkinen was really generating. Yeah, there, was, there was not much. Evan Rodriguez was pretty good. I, I will give him that. He had six shots on goal. He was generating a lot. He was finding finding up ways to get the puck on goal, especially there was, I think it was the second or third period. I think it was the third period. He literally, like, right off the faceoff, put a shot on goal three seconds in at 19.57 or 19.56. The whistle blew. The Avalanche had a faceoff in the offensive zone, which they won and were able to generate another opportunity just because of Rodriguez's hustle. So he was great. Uh, seeing Miko and Nate kind of do their things. Some points of the game, I don't want to say they were perfect, mm-hmm. um, but it really gives you the ability to say, let's let's take Nichushkin and Lekin and let's throw one of them up there with Nate. Let's bring Rantanen down. Let's spread the wealth and let's get both these lines gelling and going. Yeah, a couple posts hit too that really stuck. Yeah, that right. Byram, Byram one, he was oh, I was right there. Yeah, and then McKinnon late in the game too yep. could have really generated some momentum, which the Avalanche were able to carry throughout the night. A little bit of momentum here and there. And just, you know, unable to get one past Philip Grubauer. We'll get the, into the goalies in a second. Yeah, the best portion of the game that I saw the Avalanche play was following the Nathan McKinnon goal with a right, right around, or sorry, the Miko Rantanen goal with right around seven and a half minutes left in the first period until that final buzzer of the first intermission. Well, the buzzer of the first intermission, not the final buzzer. Those seven and a half minutes, eight minutes of action seemed like the best the Avalanche were the entire night. But then they came out flat in the second period, and the game went completely downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. And, and I felt like they had a little bit of it towards the end of the second, but I don't feel like it really carried over into the third, which was unfortunate because yeah. you felt a goal coming from the Avalanche, and then that dreadful buzzer to end the second period hit. Um, so, yeah, I hope not too many of you guys are down bad in your betting accounts, um, especially if you have it in Superbook. I hope you're trying to beat the, the book this year and – you know, win that money in 2023 like we've been talking about. So baseball is back, and the push for the postseason is on for hockey and for hoops. Make it all count this spring with Superbook Sports. Superbook Sports is the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, you get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Let's get into the goaltending conversation. Um, Alexander Georgiev in his first playoff game for the Colorado Avalanche. I don't think he was terrible. Like you said, that second goal, probably something he wants back. Philip Grubauer, the winning goaltender tonight. But I don't necessarily think he outplayed Alexander Georgiev. Just the team in front of him was the difference tonight. And he said exactly that. We just talked to him post-game. He came in for a press uh, press conference. Surprise one. We got ambushed. (laughs) Jared Bednar finished uh, his press conference and stepped off the podium and walked out. And while JJ and I and a lot of the media were collecting their backpacks and laptops and things to walk out, uh, Crack and PR walked in and said, we'll have Philip here in just a moment. And then literally you look up and Philip Grubauer was standing right there. So it wasn't Philip here in just a moment. It was Philip's here. Let's talk to him. So we just sat down and said, hey, we're going to talk to our old pal. And yeah, so Philip was very very complimentary of his team. Mm -hmm. He said that they made his job easy, and this is nothing against Grubauer by saying that he didn't outplay or or, or outwork Georgiev is nothing against him. It's simply put, he didn't have to. 
the Avalanche didn't l test Grubauer the way they should have. He didn't need to make any big saves because he didn't face a lot of good opportunities. There was no breakaways. There was no two-on-ones. You can't look at anything other than Byram hitting a post. Because even McKinnon hitting a post late, what, with two and a half minutes left in a 3-1 game? Not even two and a half. It was after the PK. So, like... The Byron play where he hit the post on that tight angle just tried to beat him right in that little corner. There were nothing, nothing else. There was no like, oh, that Rodriguez breakaway or that Nichushkin. Like, there was nothing like that because the Avalanche didn't give him much to, to, to do. Yeah, I didn't see many bodies from the Avalanche around that net. And that's credit yep. to the Kraken defense and, and their defensive structure. Anytime there was potentially a loose puck, Philip Grubauer would smother it, and there wasn't really an Avalanche jersey. Um, around so yeah absolutely the group in front of him definitely got the job done tonight and uh, I mean Nathan McKinnon's comments on on Philip Grubauer post game were interesting as well right I, I guess break those down for us because you were there I was over talking to Kale and Bo <laughs> uh, Nathan McKinnon was asked if uh, you know he I think the question was phrased as uh, Philip Grubauer had a great night what did you see from him and McKinnon said nothing and then just pause. And he's right. He's not saying that just yeah. to be snarky. He's not saying that he just wasn't to be being, short. He wasn't being like you can tell. Look, McKinnon's always frustrated after a loss. McKinnon's frustrated after a win sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like that's just the kind of guy he was. But he was very cordial today. He gave us a lot of good answers. He said a lot of good things. He was. Remember last year when they lost to St. Louis and McKinnon was trotted out and came out by himself without Landis Gog and said, we're fine. We got this after game two. We're going to go to St. Louis. We're going to steal one, hopefully steal two, which they did. It was that McKinnon today. And, you know, we've made a lot of jokes about McKinnon throughout the regular season that he's kind of tough to talk to after games. Sometimes he gives you good quotes. Sometimes he doesn't. And it doesn't matter if it's a win or loss. It just kind of matters on if he feels like it that day. When the playoff comes around, this is the second year in a row I've noticed it with McKinnon. He goes out of his way to make a concerted effort to be more cordial, to be more respectful, and not let things get to him. And that's what you want to see from a leader like that. That's why he is who he is. What were Patrick Waugh's favorite two words to use? Even keel. Even keel. Right? Nathan and McKinnon is see, even keel. You see, <laughs> you see the avalanche still carrying that even keel. I mean, it was a strength of theirs last year in the playoffs. And, yeah, that was exactly Bowen Byron's message. Like, it's just game one. A lot of hockey still to be played in this series. And, um, you know, yeah, Seattle was stubborn, but so were the avalanche. And so uh, still plenty of time to bounce back. Nothing to panic about. But, um, yeah, stings to be down one in your home ice. And just, you know, having the whole world now suddenly start to question whether the Avalanche can get this series done. Yeah, I mean, game two is, is where it's at. And, and this is something that despite me making two predictions on the series, and one of them I said Avs in five, because when you have a team that's a straight-up contender versus a team that's a straight-up uh, underdog, betting the contender the team that you expect to win in five games is such a safe bet. I want to say sweep, but I'm just going to give the road team one game just mm -hmm. to kind of maybe. So that was a prediction I made with you, me, and Peter Bond. Then today on the radio with uh, Anilo Piro at Mile High Sports, I said I, I wouldn't be surprised if I see a sweep because I'm going to be a little bit more ballsy and not take that five-game safe bet. But the reality is, look, predictions are predictions. It is what it is. But the reality is, whether this series goes four or five or six or seven, if it goes four, it's disaster for the Avs. But whether they win in five, six, or seven, if they win, because those are not the three options, it's not supposed to be as easy as it was a year ago. It really isn't. And this is something that I keep reiterating because I think we were so spoiled with what the Avalanche were last year 
that we often think this is how it's supposed to go every single time. You're supposed to win these games outright, easily, and quickly. Where the reality is, a team like Tampa Bay last season had to go seven games in the first round. They swept and destroyed Florida, and then they trailed 2 nothing to the New York Rangers, losing both of the first two games on the road. So I'm not trying to set everybody up for if the Avalanche lose game two, don't panic. Granted, I won't because the series ain't over till it's over. But it's not supposed to be as easy as it was a year ago. And game one tonight proved exactly that. It's the same reason why the Vegas Golden Knights were d- destroyed 5-1 to one by the eighth-seeded Winnipeg Jets. It's the same reason why the Devils, who came in to their series feeling high and mighty against the lower-seeded Rangers, lost 5-1, and the Devils have to rebound. And Lord knows Toronto's got a rebound or that city's going to burn after their 7-3 <laughs> loss to Tampa Bay, and Toronto is the home team and the and the team that's expected to win that series. So a lot of road teams have to, have to bounce back because the last six games have all been won by the road team. Sorry, a lot of home teams have to bounce back because the last six have been won by the road team. Yeah, and Seattle only gave up two power play opportunities and yep. the avalanche weren't able to capitalize on either we'll see how that changes you know i, I know the refs kind of let some things go i wouldn't say they were terrible by any means but uh, i would expect probably a different game out of different refs in game two and we'll see if the avalanche get more power play opportunities and if they can actually capitalize on them because i think that would be a big difference for them throughout the rest of the series yeah absolutely it's it's the power play is going to be a big thing for the avalanche and we'll have to see kind of what they can do with it because that will be a game changer for this team with the star power they have. Right on. Well, we made it uh, 21 minutes here with no leaf blower guy in sight. So Love uh, that. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us. Here we are late night after this tough game to watch for Avalanche Faithful, right? So yeah. um, thanks for listening to our podcast and our small little breakdown. We'll be back after game two, of course, to do another one. So uh, any closing thoughts after tonight, and uh, we can wrap it up for the day. It's almost midnight. Let's wrap her up. All right. Yeah, I'll be I'll be right back in this building tomorrow night, 8:30 tip off for the Nuggets. Oh, so, nice. um, hopefully, I'm awake in my seat. If you see on TNT or ESPN, whatever channel it's on, some guy sleeping in his chair, it might be me. <laughs> um, so, yeah. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you. <laughs>